You're tuned in to the Brand Ambassador Select Podcast. Welcome back to the Brand Ambassador Select Podcast, where we are building connections, showcasing the impressive and inspiring movers and makers. I'm your host, Lenore, and today's episode is brought to you by Refining Clean, a unique hand sanitizer from Health First Direct. You won't find a better pedigree in hand sanitizer anywhere else. It takes more than a well-written press release or an eye-catching material to really get coverage. And Sue Procco, entertainment publicist and the CEO of the Procco Group, knows how to take their clients to the next level. They know it's all about creating a stronger brand reputation. Sue Procco joins us on this episode to share how to digitally connect and create a stronger online presence. Sue, welcome to the Brand Ambassador Select Podcast. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Now, with all of your knowledge in PR, have you looked at a lot of the media out there lately and have thought differently? Oh, yes. Um, it's really interesting to me, especially when I follow social media feeds, where people are getting their information and they're reposting it and resharing it. And some of the outlets are, first of all, not even credible outlets. Second of all, biased in a certain degree or another. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a really different, different place to be right now with, uh, with media. It's, it's, it's interesting and it's interesting that people are not educated about it. Not, not that it would be something that you would know, but it's, it's just interesting to watch. So then for the education side, how could we start educating people on the internet to, I guess, know what is the definition of real sources and not real sources or credible and not credible. So, well, I mean, looking at something like the New York Times or the Washington Post or, or those outlets, those are, those are seemingly credible outlets. Um, whether or not they have a bias one way or another, they're supposed to journalistically let you know we are selecting this because XYZ, if we're talking politics. Um, the other outlets, the online outlets that, that, are, that have grown in the last um, you know, two decades, um, if, if it says, you, you gotta look back to the source and, and look up that source and then go to the bottom of the page and then find out who they're owned by. It'll, it usually will tell you who they're owned by at the bottom of the page. Um, if it doesn't, then I would be a little suspect into to determining whether or not that is something you follow for your health or for politics or for how you treat your children. I mean, look at the source. The other thing is to also look at the writer and look up, which is called the byline and it's underneath the headline, look up the writer and look up where that person came from. I found an interesting story the other day that I thought was just so sweet. It was out of Florida and it was this woman who had a person came, came to her house and, and he uh, fixed her washer and they had a, a, a conversation about racism. But when I went back to the source of it, I really had to dig deep to find out if the story was actually true. I did find that the story was true, so it was a really nice story, but I, I found it on a page that was just filled with all sorts of other stories that, was, that were questionable, so. What makes it hard for me is, you know when you click on a link, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, no matter what, and then it's the constant slideshows. And it's like, are these slideshow websites credible or are they not credible? And honestly, I don't know why I click on them because I know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> but somehow I fall for that clickbait too. You know what? I think we all do. We all do. And I hate those too. 
And it's just another way for them to throw another ad at you and another ad, especially lists. Here's the top things to do about X and the next thing you know, you're down the rabbit hole. The one I get stuck with is like celebrities then and now. It's like, I don't know why I care when I can just Google it myself. What do I need this slideshow of 20 slides to show me this for? Or how does she look today? <laughs> yes. What color lipstick? It's like, I, I don't actually care, but somehow my brain says that I, my, my thumbs, my thumbs say I care. That's why I click on it. It's exactly what happens all the time. How to keep those thumbs under control. <laughs> it's the most difficult thing I think to do these days is to make sure exactly. you're not scrolling. <laughs> what actually exactly. are your thoughts on the direction social media has taken over the years and how has that really affected your job as a publicist? Well, social media, um, it, is, it has allowed everyone to become an expert. Um, and that has been an interesting place to be. Um, when I, uh, I started in entertainment PR and there were film reviewers and film reviewers had usually went to film school and they understood film and they understood the anatomy of film and all of that. Um, and now you have a lot of film reviewers that are out there that are just giving their opinions and there's nothing wrong with their opinions, but at the same time, it sort of takes a, it, it sort of waters down the message, I would think, number one. Um, the other thing that I think about, uh, it, it's really interesting with Facebook and with Instagram and with Twitter. I mean, I, I kind of go to Twitter for, to hear the rants and the raves about politics and I go to Instagram to just enjoy myself. And then I'll go to Facebook if I really wanna take a deep dive into, you know, into some interesting areas. So it's that whole, that whole uh, platforms have been very, very, um, they, they've, they've really changed the landscape of what we do. They've taken away, a publicist was allowed to tell a story at one time and pitch that story to a reporter. And now that you have so many influencers out there, we have to incorporate the influencers into that. And are the influencers getting paid for it or are they not getting paid? I mean, Instagram now requires that you, you let them let people know that you got paid for something. Um, how many people really abide by that? I don't know, you know, and how, how much are they really um, monitoring that? I don't know. I mean, after you know. that fire festival, they really needed those ads. They need oh, a hashtag ad absolutely. after everything. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because I think so many people, at least I have a, I have a daughter, she's 22 years old um, and she doesn't do this, but I know a lot of her friends are, are into this idea of like, I can make my entire living on social media. It's like, mm, I've really seen the backside of what an influencer's life looks like. And it's not easy. The ones who are really working, the ones who really, really work it, it's not easy. The other side of it is, is that they're not making as much as you think they're making. You know, they're not driving those cars that they happen to sit in for an hour or two and post a picture of. Um, so it's, it's, you know, they're building up this fantasy that, that you think you can have and the reality is, is that it's not, it's not reality. It's just like Hollywood and glamour, you know, at one time Hollywood used to be so glamorous. Well, I've seen the backside of Hollywood and it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks. Especially when now everything is online. So you kind of can't hide and it's, 
keeping up the status, especially with the influencers. And yeah, I don't really think many people realize how much work, how much work it takes to just creating your own brand on your own account. And then having to maintain that with growth too is, is a full-time job. It is a full-time job. Creating content for others is a full-time job and being consistent with it is a full-time job and creating content that's quality and that's good. And that's entertaining. You know, I, uh, a, a colleague of mine just uh, took a class on social media or an update on a class and we scroll through 300 feet of social media every minute. What? Feet. 300 feet. <laughs> How many football fields is that? A lot of football fields. Uh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. A minute. So that's a lot for your brain to process. A lot for my thumbs, like we were talking about before. <laughs> I thought I was going to stop. Poor thumbs. They need a break. <laughs> I know. God gave them to us for a reason. I don't think it was for scrolling. <laughs> yes, that's why our dogs don't have them. <laughs> right. Do you mind walking us through a typical client talent relationship that you have and really the differences in navigating it through today's current landscape? Sure. Um... I typically don't work directly, or I typically don't work as a personal publicist, which is a person that kind of is the gatekeeper for talent. So I'm gonna give you an example. I work with the Christina Grimmie Foundation, and Christina Grimmie was the young lady on The Voice who um, about four and a half years ago was shot in Orlando, Florida and killed. Yeah, um, Jersey as a whole was uh, really mourning at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And then the next day was the Pulse shooting. Well, since that time, her family has created a foundation that helps uh, others who are going through the tragedy of gun violence. So I am the, I'm the gatekeeper, so to speak, of the Grimmie family. So anytime there is a story about the Grimmie family, um, if they're actually doing their research and they're doing their work, so they will reach out to me and they'll say, can we have an interview with Marcus or will Marcus be willing to talk about X, Y, or Z, or or anything like that. And I make the determination based on where the story's going, what the focus is, what they're going to do. And we have to media prep. And so I will sit with Marcus and I will give him a series of questions and ask him what I think they're going to ask him and he'll practice the answers because he doesn't want to be caught off guard. He doesn't want to take a left turn down the wrong road. Um, and he doesn't want to have questions that come at him that glorify the shooter of, of what happened to his sister. So there are certain things that we put into place. So as the publicist, it's my job to make sure the interview stays on track, that my client is prepared for the interview, and that they have the assets that they need. And by assets, I mean photos, uh, you know, maybe B-roll, maybe uh, um, other things that would make sense that would make, complete a full story. So. Um, that's my part. And my other part is, is that I'm on site. So if it does start to take a left turn, I can say, no, we're not going to go in that direction and, and cut it off. Now, if it's a live interview, that's not something that I can do. I can't exactly run onto the set of Access Hollywood and go, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Cut, cut. Can we, uh, can we, uh, <laughs> wrap that up, wrap that up. 
<laughs> so, so that's part of it. The other part of it is, is like, I'll take it from a Hollywood perspective. You know, I worked with Andy Garcia pretty um, closely on one of his films that he produced. And so I was on film festival circuit with him. So I was constantly um, uh, putting him out there for interviews, walking red carpets with him, uh, helping him. And I, I think what people don't realize is that when you are talent, you are asked the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And there's nothing glamorous about telling the same story 37 times to 30, 30 What did you feel like in this moment? <laughs> what was your favorite part of set? Do you have a favorite soundtrack? <laughs> Do, would you like me to go exactly, on? Exactly. I don't know if you, if you remember the Samuel Jackson incident that happened with uh, Sam Rubin at KTLA where Samuel Jackson was called by the wrong name. Well, yeah. Samuel, was, Samuel was on a tour, a tour, media tour, which is where you do, inter, you know this, but you do interview after interview after interview, just right in a row. And I know that's, so you start on the East Coast and you end on the West Coast. So he was doing New York and Chicago and doing all these markets. And then he gets to LA and Sam calls him by the wrong name. And I know Samuel Jackson took the entire seven minutes of that particular interview just because he was tired. Not only had he been called by the wrong name, but he was tired of answering the same questions over and over again. I thought, well, he just got his seven minute break. <laughs> he doesn't have to answer any questions. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it, it, it becomes very um, mundane and they don't they, they tell the same story over and over again. With Andy, Andy made it very interesting, and he brought, um, he just brought a unique uh, perspective with everything. The other thing that Andy does is a lot of talent will go to these film festivals and they won't sit through their own films. They'll come in, they'll be introduced, and then they'll leave, they'll go have something to eat, they'll come back and do their Q&A. Andy didn't do that. So I sat through Andy's film about 27 times. <laughs> Did you memorize the lines? I could do the entire film. <laughs> That's talent, girl. That's talent. It would not be as good as Andy. It would not be as good as Vera Farmiga, but I do know the lines. <laughs> so you did say you have done the film festival circuit and other things, but what would be some of your favorite events that you've worked or attended? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I assist with the Emmys every year on the red carpet, and I love... I love that because you just see such a wide array of, of folks, including some of the executives that I that I've watched rise through the ranks, and it's been really fun. Um, but you know, you you get introduced to people you wouldn't normally see. Um, I mean, I don't get excited by some of the people that some people would get excited by. I got excited by Leah Rimney. I loved having her on the red carpet, um, and. And then, you know, I got to see people that, you know, from shows like like uh, Amy Sherman Palladino, who does uh, Gilmore Girls, and she also does, um, what's the new one, um, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yes, I heard uh, that was really good. Oh, yeah, I've heard it's good. I haven't seen it, I'm, but I was a big fan of her through Gilmore Girls, and she's so creative and, and all of that. And so I, I loved just getting to to talk with her on the carpet as well. So they're standing there, they're waiting around. So you get a moment or two to just kind of have a have a chat with them. And there's a few royalty along the way. I mean, so that one was really a lot of fun. I've met rappers through the years that, you know, I'm a white girl from Kansas that just, you know. <laughs> it's like, hey. <laughs> 
and and I've had a lot of fun with with you know um, Ludacris is a huge uh, loves horror films, so I got to introduce him to Robert England, and um, and that was kind of cool. So Comic Con, Comic Con's a great time, a lot, just you know all kinds of creativity there with Comic Con. So those are some of my favorites. You would love the studio we're out of right now. Like it's not on the camera, but behind like all the other sides, you have so much memory, so many t different types of memorabilia in here from a variety of different comic cons and stuff. And like, I feel like I'm gonna break things sometimes. So I don't wanna like <laughs> jump in. I'm like, oh no, this may cost more than me right now. So I understand. <laughs> Well, Comic-Cons are great. I mean, New York Comic-Con, you know, I've worked with a lot of directors at New York Comic-Con and yeah, I have a few things myself around my office that you can't see as well, but yeah, they're, um, I've got a Michael Myers mask. I worked on Halloween and Halloween one through 10, every Halloween there possibly could be. And there's more to come. It's not over. Halloween's not over. <laughs> We're only about we're about a month away, so I'm expecting something else to pop up soon. So, don't don't leave me hanging here, Sue. <laughs> a book, a new book. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you heard it here. Yeah. Do you mind if we backtrack all the way to like day no. one? How and why did you even get started in publicity and doing PR? Oh, that's a really good question, um, and I don't know sometimes. Um, Whichever story you feel like telling today, whichever <laughs> version, you know, pops out at first. Right. Um, so I, uh, I moved to California from Kansas um, and uh, my career was going to be in human resources. I know that sounds. And um, I worked at a studio in human resources and I had this, um, this epiphany, epiphany, I can pronounce it, that I was not going to be in labor law or human resources very long because it just wasn't, wasn't, didn't seem to be my jam. And so um, I took the summer off, I shaved one side of my head and I, um, I was in my twenties and I decided I'm just going to tempt for a little while and see what happens. And I ended up working at um, MGM in the home video department. And back then, I mean, this is dates me, but it was uh, VHS. And um, I worked for the head of marketing and he took me under his wing and he started teaching me about independent theatrical releases and home video releases. And, and he said to me, figure out where you want to go. Well, I had the HR background and I kind of knew what departments were going to, to do well and what ones weren't. So I told him I was interested in PR and he said, start taking some classes and we'll see what we can do. And I started taking classes at UCLA and I realized I liked it. And, you know, I like to talk to people and I like to write and um, pitch and, and all of those things. And, and that's how it ended up happening. And I was blessed that I got to work with a good group of people that allowed me to be crazy and creative at the same time. I flew Dorothy home for the 50th anniversary of The Wizard of Oz in a hot air balloon, landed it on the governor's lawn in Kansas, and he declared it the day Dorothy finally returned home. I tap danced on 30, what is it, 42nd Avenue or 34th, wherever Macy's is in front of Macy's with all the munchkins that were still alive. Um, it was, yeah, so I had some pretty, I 
got to go to the Metropolitan Opera and give Risa Stevens uh, a Lalique Lion because our president didn't like opera, so he sent me. So I've had some experiences in my life because of PR that I never ever thought I would have. I mean, you know, I my heart throbs when I was growing up were I've gotten to meet Donny Osmond, I've gotten to meet David Cassidy, I've gotten to meet, you know, all these these heartthrobs that I had when I was like eight years old or six years old now. So eight, not six. So you're like, now they're just handsome, not cute. They're <laughs> exactly. real men now. And, and right, and they're not on my wall anymore. <laughs> now that I've met them, meh. Okay. That's exactly what I thought. I used to have Nick Jonas all over my walls, if I'm going to be honest with you. And I finally got a chance to meet him at a show last year when they came back. And I was like, whoa, you're a lot shorter than the picture on my wall. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I, was like, so you're I was like, you're still beautiful. Don't get me wrong. You're just a tad bit shorter than I would have hoped. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep you around, Nick. Don't you worry. It's so true. It's so true. And it's, and you know, and I, I feel very fortunate that I've gotten to do all of that, but I, I put in a lot of time and effort to get to where I am. And, um, you know, there's a lot, you know, the, the background of it is, is that, yeah, there's a lot of waiting around too. You know, there's a lot of writing, there's a lot of pitching, there's a lot of no's, there's a lot of doors slammed in your faces, in, in your face, but you have to just kind of go with that and, figure out what you want to do next. Speaking about next, you've recently have gotten yourself into the world of health and wellness like the past year and a half. What really pushed you over onto that side? Well, I realized that um, the skills that I had needed to grow a bit and I wanted to figure out what, what that would look like. And I'd been following somebody for a while um, and getting more into health and wellness. I'd always kind of had that aspect of it, but not as a career. Um, my aunt, when I was a little girl, had a health food store. And so she always tried to con me into eating carob, but that would replace chocolate, but that never has. Never fell for that one. Um, but I, you know, I've always been a big believer in taking supplements and, you know, having a healthy immune system and all of those things. So I, um, I, found out that uh, someone that I admire who has a science background and who believes in health, um, alternative health and wellness uh, was looking for a business manager. And I thought, you know what? I bet I could do that. I bet I could expand my skills a bit. And that's what I've done is like, I've worked the last year and a half with her and um, she's written three books. I mean, talk about overachievers. She is like amazing, amazing. And, um, and so I've learned a lot from her and, and, and it's interesting because you know, the health and wellness space has their, their stars too. So we go to a convention and she, she, it's still the same thing that I get to work with. It's just a different audience. So, so it's, it's been interesting, that aspect of it. And then the other side of it is that I've also gone into um, healthier social media. I've started working with a client that has a healthy social media platform where they don't allow ads and algorithms and sharing uh, articles that you can't source back and those kinds of things. So that's been very interesting too. That is a really cool concept. Yeah, it, it, it is. And they've been working on it for three and a half years and they're out of beta and talk about Comic-Con. We created one of the channels on there is called Behind the Con. So since everyone is having to do Comic-Con virtually this year, we set up interviews with 
talent that you wouldn't normally see uh, in interviews and you can join behind the con and and listen to you know Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy or Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead talk about what their favorite con moments were. So it's been fun. So that's pretty awesome. But what's next for you personally? Do you got anything up your sleeve these days? Uh, I got a few, I got a book or two. I got a book or book two. <laughs> you just said that the other woman was an overachiever. What, what are you then? <laughs> well, she can do it in like a year. She did three books in a year. I've like oh. taken my time. Oh my God. I couldn't even imagine doing three books in a year. Um, I have a book that I've been working on for a very long time, um, and part of it is because it's it's based on a true story. It's about my father, who was an escape POW in World War II, um, and he was in a prison camp in Italy, and the entire camp escaped. So, um, so I've been working on that for a while, and the reason it's taken me so long is because I've gone to the National Archives and I pulled all the information because most of those soldiers did not discuss how they escaped. So it was, I've had to piece the story together. So I've been working on that. And then my other one is about just my adventures that I've, I've, I've always thought, you know, that's a little egotistical to write about your own adventures. But I had a friend say something to me about, well, you should just write it from the, the aspect of, you know, life is not so glamorous in Hollywood because it's really not. You know, the fact is, is that some of your favorite stars do not live in huge mansions. Some of them drive older cars. They're just doing it for the art of it. And, and they love it. And they, and they really, you know, look forward to being out with the fans and things like that. And so, so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about that. My other thing is, is I don't want to hurt anyone. I would never tell the stories that I like knowing the stories that aren't supposed to be told, but I don't want to tell them. Unless you get their permission, because then they'll be They'll be knocking on your door, Sue, and then everyone's going to know where you live. I w yeah. Well, you know, it's it's one of the things that the publicists, like, you get to know the stuff, but you, you don't get to share it. I, I learned when I was at MGM, Ann Miller was the person, Ann Miller, the famous tap dancer. She was the person who said, honey, here's what you do. <laughs> your job is to be the bitch. My job is to be the nice person. <laughs> You get out there, you tell them I have some place to go. I'll say hello, I'll be nice, and then we'll leave. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop, it always works. It does, it does. So it's, um, it's, you know, I hear her voice in the back of my head every now and then. Step it up, girl, step it up. And you've definitely been stepping it up, I could tell you that much <laughs> from at least this conversation. <laughs> So you can reach out to Sue on Facebook at facebook.com slash sue.proco. That's P-R-O-C-K-O. You can check her out on Instagram too at the Proco group, the P-R-O-C-K-O group. And Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you got to send me some pictures of what you got there in the studio. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally will. Okay. That's a wrap on another episode of the Brand Ambassador Select Podcast. I'm your host, Lenore. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss one. More at brandambassadorselect.com, and we will see you next time.